Welcome to the University of California, San Francisco Sports Medicine Podcast, featuring Dr. Nira Fundia, Dr. Brian Feely, and Dr. Drew Lansdowne, discussing hot topics in sports medicine and society. We hope you enjoy our podcast and look forward to hearing from you. All right, welcome everyone to the UCSF Sports Medicine Podcast, 68 weeks with myself, Dr. Nira Fundia, and Dr. Brian Feely. We also usually have Drew Lansdowne on with us, but uh, he is busy uh, potentially operating or doing research or hanging out with his kids. Um, so we are going to be talking about um, the residency application process for orthopedic surgery, and we have two of our stellar residents. We have Alicia Asturias, as well as Sachin Alabadi. Um, and maybe just let's start out, Alicia and Sachin, maybe Alicia, you can go first. Just tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, um, and then we'll have Sachin do the same before we jump into some of the questions. Super. Um, welcome, everyone. Um, I'm from right here in Northern California. I grew up in San Jose, and now my family's in Sacramento. I went to med school in uh, UC San Diego, and I think like my journey to ortho um, is mostly twofold. In my former life, I was a gymnast, and in my current life, I still like to at least somewhat um, think of myself as an artist. And so ortho literally put those two pieces together for me. Um, basically solving visual problems with my hands to help people. So um, that's why I'm here. And it's been awesome. Yeah, well, welcome, everyone. My name is Sachin Alahavadi. I grew up in Southern California in Glendora, which is a suburb of Los Angeles. I ultimately went to undergrad at Rice University in Houston, Texas, where I studied bioengineering and kinesiology and uh, with the sports medicine focus. And from there, I went to medical school at Baylor College of Medicine. Now, I'm lucky to be here at UCSF. And I think the most important thing to know about me is that I do CrossFit outside of work, and uh, I need to bring that up at least seven times. That's number one. So, yeah, that's true. Sachin brings that up a lot. Um, so Alicia already told us a little bit about why she did ortho. Um, Sachin, what was your number two choice if you didn't get into ortho, or what else were you considering when you were deciding what to do? That's a great question. You know, for me, a lot of my interest uh, stemmed from my extracurricular interests. So I studied, as I mentioned, uh, exercise physiology is one of my majors. And a lot of that was dealing with human performance and uh, the musculoskeletal system. So I already knew I was kind of set on a career uh, doing musculoskeletal care. And for me, it was actually deciding between doing primary care sports medicine and orthopedic surgery. Um, and so I actually spent a lot of time uh, with one of our primary care sports medicine faculty members um, who was one of my you know fantastic mentors in medical school and was strongly considering other routes to that uh, before I fell in love with orthopedics. Alicia what about for you what was your your second choice if not going into ortho? Hey, you know I, I was one of those people who like truly like loved every specialty. Picking ortho was actually a really tough decision for me. I before medical school I was a medical assistant in ENT and so when I got to med school, I was like, oh my gosh, I love ENT. It turns out I loved it just because I happened to know all the right answers. And I was like, oh, well, it's really easy. You know, you do this and that. And then um, you realize once you start to kind of uncover like, oh, there's, there's some other kind of specialties that are, um, you know, that are just as interesting. And I think for ENT, it's just really small spaces. And I just didn't want to look down a microscope for the rest of my life. So um, I think ortho was just so much, the, the surgeries were just so much more broad and so much more fun. And I think once you've decided that you're inclined to surgery, really thinking about, okay, what is your bread and butter? And do you like the bread and butter of that specialty? And so for me, um, like orthopedic trauma is the bread and butter of orthopedics. And I found that to be way more interesting than kind of picking out earwax and kind of the more bread and butter things at ENT. So I think that really helped me hone in. Yeah, I fell asleep uh, next to the chairman of ENT during our conference, and I'm pretty sure I fell asleep on his head when I was a med student or on his shoulder. Um, so, you know, 
the winter is a stressful time of year for a variety of different reasons. We've got holidays, holiday parties, but if you're a medical student, you've got interviews for residency. And for people who don't know how that uh, works, it's actually a very complicated system called the match where you are, you go to a variety of different interviews and then you are ranked literally from top to bottom and you rank programs top to bottom and then you are slotted into the program that you um, ultimately end up going to it. You don't really have that much of a choice in it. It's not like you say, I got into these three colleges, this is what I'll go to. So looking back, um, Sachin, you went through this about five years ago and Alicia last year, what were key things that you thought were really important looking at residencies before you started going to the process? And then I'll ask you afterwards, well, what would you ask, what would you look at differently? When I was looking at programs, I thought, uh, you know, perceived reputation was uh, very important, I'll be honest. Uh, you know, that was something that was really high on my list. And then um, another thing that I thought was very important was the diversity of training sites. Having gone to a medical school at Baylor College of Medicine, where there are so many different uh, types of facilities, we had a county hospital, private hospitals, and a VA hospital. I thought that was really important um, and something I was looking for, which we do have here at our program. And then uh, other than that, you know, for me, I was pretty big on location, um, you know, not only for myself, but just thinking about the future for being in a fun city to, to go to. And uh, yes, I looked at like location of CrossFit gyms near the residency sites. <laughs> um, and that's not a joke. And, um, you know, but uh, it's just like for me to be able to do the things that I like to do outside of work, you know, was there the environment for that, um, you know, around that area? What about you, Alicia? I think very similar, um, even just being so close to it, just reflecting back. Um, I, I agree, prestige, um, but I, I think the prestige part for me was more like, I didn't wanna close any doors. I wanted to see academic medicine. I also wanted the opportunity to you know, see private practice. I wanted to see kind of how hospital systems work. So allowing myself really the full breadth of what can your career look like in ortho without any limitations was super important to me. I think my next factor was location, just like Sachin. I mean, I'm from the Bay Area. Um, I love hanging out with my family and being able to see them and then also having that support group. Um, I think it's it's no secret that ortho is a tough residency. And so in order to, to have like a support group from your family and within the residency program, I think was really important to me. Um, and then lastly, and this might be surprising, I, I had a mentor basically tell me one time, you know, the number of hospital systems is great, but you really want to be able to work with a large number of faculty because at two in the morning, when you're trying to figure out a complicated problem, you don't want just one way to fix it. You want multiple ways and you want to be able to pull from those different experiences. And so when I was really boiling down, okay, what kind of orthopedic surgeon do I want to be? I want to be the person who can solve a problem at two in the morning, um, kind of pulling from all these different experiences that you had. And so I think that also pulled in a little bit. And so um, I, I think those factors all together really came into play. And I, I obviously, I picked them again. <laughs> so yeah. So if you don't want to solve problems at two in the morning, that's why we have sports medicine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to go to a residency where I can learn how to solve problems at 2 p.m. <laughs> so maybe looking back on it now, like if you had to say, what's the number one thing that you would, you would value? Like you're going back, you're in med school, maybe Alicia first and Sachin second, what, what would be the number one thing you would put on your, your list for what's, what, what you're looking for in a program? This one's insanity, but I would still pick location. I, I just because I think like, the location also sets the the culture of the program too. Um, like we're, we're 
we're in this beautiful place where you can do all these outdoorsy things and that's the people who are attracted here. So it's, it's embedded within the culture. And then truly all of those fun things are like, it, they're just not mutually exclusive things. And so you kind of double dip in the location based on the culture and where you're living. So I, I think that's really what you rank high. I, I would say something so similar. I mean, I would classify it or characterize it as environments. And I think environment can be interpreted multiple different ways. You know, number one location, uh, the setting you're in, but it's also just the, the culture of the people and where you're at, um, whether that, and that, you know, that may change based on your values and what, what's important to you, whether it's a political environment or just, uh, you know, the types of people who are there. Um, but to me, you know, one of the reasons why I feel like I'm so happy in this residency, uh, you know, just for a plug for us is I just feel the culture here is great. You know, I feel like, you know, my attendings are not just my mentors and, and guidance, you know, counselors, whatever you want to call them and teachers, but also my friends. And I think that just really is important. Uh, now, it's I do think that's hard to sort of grasp beforehand. It's not an easy thing. That's just that you Google it on a website, which place has a good environment. But I do think you can kind of gain uh, insight into that information with things like aware rotations or also just talking to multiple people at different programs and getting multiple perspectives. Yeah, so you brought up the uh, Google spreadsheet. Um, so this year, there is a little bit of a uproar on what was went out on that Google spreadsheet. And it like when I was a resident, it was something called ortho ring. Um, or at least when I was a med student, I think it was we didn't have the internet back then. You're dating yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> AOL, AOL dial up. Yeah. Um, but how do you, you know, you talk about culture. How do you gauge culture before you actually have been a resident in a location? And Sachin, you didn't do a sub-I here. Alicia, you were in a year where nobody did sub-I's. So did you feel like you could get a sense of that without actually being at that location? I, I definitely did think I could, um, you know, and at least I guessed correctly here. You know, I think the interactions on uh, the interview day, you know, fortunately I did get to interview in person. I know a lot of interviews are now virtually, which, you know, has its own benefits as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, I did get to sort of watch people interact and I tried to, you know, most of my notes after interviews were on how I observed other people interacting, uh, you know, whether that be the way faculty and residents talked to each other, joked with each other, or, you know, one program I literally watched residents get in a huge argument with each other and that, that program far down low on my list, actually. Um, you know, so I think that that was good. And I also, you know, before coming here or, you know, ranking here first, you know, I talked to five different people about the program. And those were people, you know, I talked to faculty members, current residents and a prior resident. And I think just getting multiple perspectives uh, is really helpful. And especially in that sense, like, Sometimes, you know, current faculty who are trying to recruit you, uh, you know, have their own biases, whether they recognize it or not. But, you know, getting perspectives from prior residents who are no longer affiliated with the program can also be really helpful. And fortunately, I was able to connect with those people uh, through some connections I had. But, um, you know, I think, I think you can. I, um, yeah, I, I think for me, what I would pick up just only having Zoom interviews um, was did I feel like the people on the other side of the Zoom were rooting for me. Like even if they were asking difficult questions, were they sitting there thinking, oh, I have Alicia's application. Like she knows the answer to this. She just has to say it. Like we, we want her to come here. And if I could really feel that like reciprocity, then I was like, okay, this is a program that I really like. And then same thing that Sachin say, like how, how are the residents interacting? And they're like, for this interview, 
we did a bunch of games and had all these like silly introductions and it was a super streamlined organized interview and I was like okay well it'll probably be organized when I'm there and we'll figure it out um so I think those things really stood out to me um in terms of reaching out I I fell on the opposite side of the spectrum. I was so, I wanted to come here so bad. I was so afraid of jinxing myself that I reached out to no one. I, I was synced up with Aviona um, through like part of the diversity workshop. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's my one person. I hope she likes me. And then I said like no words. So looking back, I think, I wish I talked to more people. I think it would have just more reaffirmed what I was feeling and kind of some of those interactions. Um, but I think I let my anxieties kind of overcome some of that, um, which would be my tip to you all is don't do that. Um, but yeah, I, I think talk to as many people as you can and, and really pay attention to the, the positivity that's coming back. Because interviews are hard, but you can still ask questions in a way to where you want to make someone be successful. And that's what I felt every single time I'm here. Those moments where you don't know the answer to something, but you're attending sitting across like, okay, I'm watching you struggle, but you can do this. So that's what I love about it here. I think I took the opposite approach. I sent Dr. Feely heart emojis every day until match day. <laughs> Which he, he I, I still that. do that. I still do that. As, as chief <laughs> yeah. of sports medicine, Brian Feely, I need to make sure I'm, you know, I'm on his good side. So, um, yeah, and you know, one of the things that we, you know, during the interview process, and this isn't just for UCSF, it's for every single program, is the actual interview itself. You know, there's all this build up to how many programs are going to apply to I get interviews can I get my travel plans in a pre-COVID time and then suddenly get to the interview and I find that a lot of people it's like well how do I prepare for this you know I know the question about why when to ortho you know tell me about yourself what were some of the questions along the way that you felt were perhaps fair questions like these are questions that like are appropriate what are some of the unfair things you had along the way not just at UCSF but I mean in general um, during the residency process particularly for giving advice um, you know Back to, back to applicants right now. Maybe Alicia go first and then Sachin. Sure. Um, yeah, no, preparing for interviews. I'm one of those people who likes to over-prepare. I don't know if that suited me well or if that just kind of contributes to my anxieties, but I was a person who just downloaded a bunch of like common questions that they ask in, in residencies and, and in orthopedic residencies. There's lists and lists on the internet. Um, and I would literally just practice answering those questions. Um, I, I think it's really important to have um, stories about yourself that you can think and reflect back. okay, when was a time that I struggled and be able to kind of recite that memory in like 30 seconds. Um, and just kind of going into your, to your residency interviews with this set of um, experiences that you've had that kind of are common. So it's like things that you've struggled with, um, times where, um, you know, you've, you've worked in a team or um, things were, you know, a situation where it didn't work out the way that you had expected and those types of questions. It's, I think most of my interview questions tended to be situational. Um, and then obviously just having your, you know, little one-liner down about, tell me a little bit about yourself um, is also really helpful too. All right, Sachin. We know that you had the longest letter of rec ever written for somebody that included pictures of you with children. So did you actually prepare for interviews or did you just say, read my application? <laughs> no, I definitely prepared. You know, I'm maybe a little different. Some people I know really write out all of their answers ahead of time. I did a little bit of that. I started to, and then I, I found that it felt very forced to me. And actually what I ended up doing, which I did the same for fellowship interviews was writing down or, you know, thinking of five like important experiences to me that represented my values. 
uh, represent what I've done in the past and where I want to go. And I think uh, to me, that really is just like sets a framework for who I am, what, I, what I've done in the past and where, where I'm going. And uh, that's sort of how I prepare, just thinking in depth about those experiences, what my values are, why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. So I didn't necessarily uh, write down every question like that, but I, I found that helpful because then when I asked questions, you know, I was reminded of those core principles or things that were close to me and how to prepare from that. I, I totally agree on that front too. I think, especially in questions, like they ask you questions that you aren't prepared for, but really being set in like, what are my values? Is it teamwork? Do I have experiences that showcase that? Because it gives you kind of something to fall back on, even when you're nervous, even when you don't know what to say. Because if you, you know, you speak in a way that, you know, talks about your themes in life, it generally makes sense. Um, so I think that's, that's a really good tip too. I kind of, you know, when you kind of now, like with medical students, you know, if they ask you like, what should we look for in a program? You know, what, what are the, what's the number one, maybe warning sign, okay, in a program in general? Because everyone, you know, ah, great, you know, attendees, surgical skills, what, what are, what's something that you would, that was like a red flag for you, uh, you know, going through the process, it was like, you know what, this kind of concerned me a little bit in general uh, with the program or something you saw on interview day. I'll answer for Sachin. Um, no proximity to CrossFit. <laughs> that ruled out anything in Oregon. Yeah. That's the third time it's been brought up. We're almost halfway there. You know, for, for me, I think uh, really, I, you know, I mentioned before, like the culture and the environment was really important to me. And, uh, you know, if I went to an event and there weren't that many, the faculty were all invited and only one or two showed up, or I knew all the residents were invited and there weren't that many. Uh, that was always like kind of a red flag to me because, you know, number one, you don't know if it's like lack of interest on um, those parties or they're overworked or they didn't, don't have a way to prioritize something as important as recruitment and continuing the, to make their program stronger that they don't give themselves or block off time for it. And so to me, those are, those are really key things that I certainly noticed at a couple programs that dropped them much lower on my list, um, you know, conversely here. It was excellent turnout um, and it was a lot of fun. So I, I agree on that. I think the number of people who show up is super important. And then um, if people have read your application, I, I think like people who actually know who you are is phenomenal. I went to an application where I was like, do you even know, know that, or a, an interview, I was like, do you even know what my name is? Like, do I know what my name is? Um, and so I, I think it, it just shows how invested they are in you, which means that they're invested in all of their residents. Um, and then I also think like how, and this maybe is for me, I'm not necessarily like the most, like the biggest trauma nerd, um, but how programs talk about their trauma patients. Like if you're going to a residency program where their entire PowerPoint is like, and we had this blasted case and this obliterated case, you're kind of thinking about, okay, what is the volume like? And do they have support for those residents or are they just kind of um, doing cases by themselves? Um, and like really thinking about how, like how much autonomy you want to have versus how much guidance um, you wanna have in your kind of professional career. Um, so I think those things kind of stood out to me. Um, but I, I think, again, just trying to sort out the feedback that you get, like, does this program want me as much as I want them? And then that's really how they kind of treat their residents while you're there too. Now, I will mention that when I interviewed at UCSF in, two, in the year 2000, somebody did not know my file at all and started asking me questions about somebody else's file. I did not do well in that room. So it does happen. <laughs> I'm sure we all knew Alicia pretty darn well. 
Um, so I, you, you guys both brought up prestige. Looking back, how do you think prestige or that like rank in US News and World Report or Forbes matters? Or do you think it's more about that fit for the individual? Uh, yeah, I think it doesn't matter that much. Um, you know, I think, you know, obviously certain to, to agree, you know, you want to go to a place that's reputable or a place that will set you up well. And, you know, there's some truth to perhaps like those with more prestige, um, whether it's in that exact order, I totally, I don't think so. But, you know, some prestige maybe have more connections or more opportunities. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think the number one important thing is just where you will succeed. And where you will succeed has nothing to do with the prestige of the program, even if they have the best connections in the world. Uh, it's a place where you really um, are set up to learn well in, in an environment that uh, you, you tend to succeed in. I mean, you know, it's going to a place where they learn in a certain style. If that's not your learning style, it doesn't matter if they're ranked number one or whatever. Um, you will not do well and you'll, you'll not be set up well for the next steps of your career. I have absolutely nothing to add to that. That's perfect, agreed. Um, and that was our kind of final question to you, which is actually in a weird way is a question back to us. If you were interviewing again and, and me and Brian were sitting in front of you, what question would you want to ask us now about the program? Looking back, you know, for you, Alicia, you know, one year later and Sachin five years later. Is there a CrossFit gym? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, maybe yeah, I'd, I'd ask, kind of, you know, to me, uh, a big part of this is sort of the same thing. It's like support system. And so I would ask, uh, you know, about to tell me about a time, you know, when a resident was struggling and how you handled and reacted that reacted to that. Um, because I think if a program is set up well and people care enough to help residents who are, you know, having issues or things aren't going well for them, then that's a good, that's a place that I want to be at. Um, so I think that's a big question for me that I didn't ask uh, at the time. I, I kind of agree on that line or, or maybe something along the lines of just to kind of see like the, the true passion that the attendings have, like when was the last time you were inspired? Or when was the last time that a resident did something inspiring that you saw and like come up with an example? Um, because then it shows like they're paying attention to those high moments of the residents, not just their low moments of when they're struggling, but are they celebrating those wins where they do something exceptional? Because um, I think that that's important too. Because I think, I mean, even in residency, we get a lot of feedback and critique and it's hard and we give it to ourselves, but I think it's important to share those highs too. And do you have a culture that kind of celebrates the really awesome moments? So I think that would be a good question. Yeah, I think Sachin and I have talked about this a fair amount. Um, offline, obviously not here, but like whether or not, you know, how you get that mentorship and how do you check in with wellness and how do you do that appropriately? Um, because it's new for a lot of orthopedic programs. And frankly, we talk about mentorship as if it's a brand new idea because it really is in surgical residencies. It was in a lot of ways, kind of a sink or swim mentality until recently. So I think that's a great question to ask. I would also encourage applicants listening, don't ask where do you see the program in five years? Because we don't know. It's probably going to be in the same city, though. But if you do, I'll ask that question, and you can still match. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. We don't want to take too much your evening, because we are definitely here at UCSF all about making sure that you have time uh, for other pursuits <laughs> and making sure that you can get to your third CrossFit class of the day, Sachin. Um, so thanks again for joining us, both Alicia and Sachin. I think you know the residency program, you know, going through the process is very stressful. Uh, for a lot of, you know, medical students. And I think it's good to hear a perspective, both as someone who just went through it and someone who 
is re-going through the process again for, you know, went through for fellowship. So thank, thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the University of California, San Francisco Sports Medicine Podcast featuring Dr. Mira Fundia, Dr. Brian Feely, and Dr. Drew Lansdowne. We look forward to hearing your feedback and hope you look forward to our next episode. Thank you.